Get ready for an inspiring journey with our special guest, Courtney Meisner. She is a speaker, teacher, writer, and dance floor enthusiast. Y'all, she is so authentic. She is so real, and she gets incredibly vulnerable on this episode. Courtney shares her personal story of unexpected twists and turns in life, from being a young Tennessee girl in love with a Midwestern guy to dealing with postpartum depression as a mother of three. Discover how Courtney's experiences led her to become a student of emotional health, in the concept of experiential intelligence. Join us as we delve into the power of understanding our own life experiences, how they shape our behavior, and how embracing your experiences can empower you to achieve your goals. Plus, find out how Courtney infuses play and joy into her family practices to make life a delightful adventure. She's so wonderful. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you all. I really think that it's going to inspire you, bless you, and it's going to connect with your own experiences. So tune in to learn how to tap into your own experiential intelligence and infuse more playfulness into your life as we explore Courtney's fascinating journey of self-discovery and growth. Don't miss out on this. Let's do this. Do you want to feel less scattered and more focused, but the idea of goal setting sounds like adding more pressure to your already pressure-filled life? If so, welcome to the Plan Goal Plan Podcast. I'm Danielle McGew. I'm a professor, mom, planner addict, and recovering overachiever. After years of hustle and grind, I was tired of trying harder. I was ready to try easier. At the intersection of research, practice, and play, I found a purposeful path to planning and goal setting that is fun, simple, and sustainable. If you're ready to try easier, if you're ready to make memories and do meaningful work, grab a pen. I will equip you with tools and practices to clarify purpose, reclaim time, and achieve goals playfully and lightly. Let's get started. I had the opportunity to hear today's guest at a Women Who Lead event earlier this month, and she is funny, she's wise, and I'm so excited to get to gab with her today. Courtney Meisner is a speaker, teacher, writer, dance floor finder, and herald of emotional wellness, boundaries, and laugh. Y'all, she's the perfect guest for this podcast, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Welcome, 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 Courtney. Yes, good morning. Thank you. So I know from getting to hear you speak that your life turned out a little bit different than you expected. So can you tell us a little bit of your story, who you are, how'd you get here, (laughs) what unexpected happened? Yeah. How did you get here? I think that's a million dollar question, isn't it? My life. I'm a Tennessee girl, born and raised in the South, fell in love with a guy from the Midwest. Isn't that always the way the story goes? Followed him here. He was, at the time, he was in a signed band. He was in a Christian rock band. And no joke, I thought he was going to be famous. (laughs) And that just felt easy for me. I thought I could be a really good trophy wife, follow him around the country. It didn't work out. It turned as it turns out, it's really difficult to become famous, actually. And we went about, he's a worship pastor. We went about the early years of our marriage. We lived and traveled. We lived in Florida. We lived in Seattle. I came back here to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. During that time, we had babies. You know, we were building a family. So we have three beautiful boys. And in during those years of building a family, traveling, starting, I guess, or trying 
trying to launch our career, I had really, really debilitating postpartum depression and I didn't have language for it. I wasn't raised in a home where we talked about our feelings, especially feelings of if we were sad or angry or upset, we just kind of put our head down and work. And so when I was going through my postpartum depression journey, I just did not have any language. I didn't know what was happening to me. I thought it was my fault. I didn't understand why I couldn't fix it. I didn't understand why being a mother was so difficult. And the truth is, is that I needed medication. I needed sleep. I needed community. I needed not to be moving across the country with little, little people in tow. And so that, you know, 17 years, I just summed up in three minutes, but it all came to a head. Now, 10 years ago, because my youngest is 10, my husband and I just got to this point where we decided something had to change and I had to start telling the truth. We went to therapy. I started telling the truth. And that kind of is what set me up on this journey of becoming a student of emotional health, emotional wellness, behavior, went back to school for my degree in behavioral psych. But all of it was birthed out of truly not understanding myself <laughs> and why I was falling apart in early motherhood. So I know like I just like threw a lot at you, but that's my journey. My own journey is really similar in certain ways. You know, like I, I wasn't someone that was dealing with depression or anxiety prior to having kids. I probably had some generalized anxiety. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had my kiddos and all of a sudden I had really intense postpartum anxiety. And, you know, oh, how do I navigate that? How do I put words to my experiences was a huge catalyst for me doing my own self-work because I, I do think you become a parent and there's ways that your own personhood is challenged, right? Like, And that never stops, it feels like. And so you either have to choose to kind of just keep on keeping on or you have to do the work so that you can live as fully as you were created to be. And so appreciate, I really appreciate your story and your honesty and your vulnerability. And I know too, from getting to listen to you speak, a lot of times we kind of talk about how do we put words to the emotions that we're feeling? And we've heard of like emotional intelligence, but you talk about something called experiential intelligence. Can you tell us a little bit about like, what is that? What is experiential intelligence? Yes, I can. I also teach emotional intelligence. So I do think that that is, I would, I would say groundbreaking for people who didn't grow up with any ability to be able to say, you know, this hurts and this is why it hurts or this is where it's coming from. So big fan of emotional intelligence. Experiential intelligence is just another, it's another way of being able to, in, in my opinion, there's a fancy definition for it, but in my opinion, it's, it's the way that you take stock of your life experiences and take a close look at them and see how those experiences now inform the behavior that shows up in every day. So it's being able to understand that our life from start to finish, each little part of our life is now shows up in the adult that we are. And those things aren't isolated from who we've become. And so making sure that we can look back and see, oh my goodness, during that time in my life, these things were really difficult. But out of this experience, this is what I learned. And those things that I learned, I can now use at work, I can use in relationship, I can use in friendship. And truly what we're talking about is just aged wisdom. It really is. And so it's that idea of being able to trust our gut, trust our wisdom, all of that that has come from all of these different experiences of our life. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> it absolutely does. You know, working with so many students, one of the things that I think they struggle with is having this experiential intelligence. And I love having a vocabulary to mm. explain that because what I see is they have these experiences and they have these know-hows that you're kind of talking about. But how do you train that and transfer it to other experiences in your life so that you can apply it is its own skill. The 
definition, the guy that kind of coined the term, his name is Soren Kaplan. He he breaks experiential intelligence down to your mindsets, your abilities, and your know-how, and how all of that empowers you to achieve your goals. So that's like, you know, the fancy definition for it. But if we're talking about practically what that looks like, so young Courtney, young 20-something, end of my 20s, early 30s mom, Courtney, I had a habit of when things were really difficult, looking outside of my circumstances for someone to blame. Now, the reason why this was not healthy when I was an early mother or a new mother, not an early mother, new mother was because my children were easy to blame. And that built resentment that broke intimacy in relationship with them as their mother. It made me believe things about my abilities as a mother that just were not true. I just kept thinking, you know, if I could do A, B, and C, or if these kids would change, then I would be okay. Does that make sense? So I was was being governed by what's called an external locus of control. If everything outside of me would change, then I would be okay. The truth is, is that it was always an internal job. The change always had to happen inside here. There were so many things that I needed to go look at from my own childhood that were showing up in the way that I resented my kid. So if I take that experience of learning that I was wanting to blame my children for my life undoing back then, now in my 40s, when something happens, instead of the knee-jerk reaction to turn around and blame it on someone, now I have learned that I have to flip around and say, wait a second, Courtney, you still have things that are within your realm of control. What you have learned is that we can't just blame everyone in our circles for the reasons why we're feeling. We have to turn around and decide, what is it that I'm feeling? What was the trigger and what's my response to it? How does that show up in my behavior? And how do I adjust my behavior? And I learned that as a 30-something mom. Now, when I was in the gauntlet, I didn't know I was learning those things. It's only now when I look back at her and I see what she was really teaching me about what I do when I get in really difficult situations. Kind of an example of experiential intelligence. That's awesome. Well, and you know, I think that it's so hard because I do think that a lot of moms, especially, do experience resentment. And sometimes Mm. sometimes it's resentment over having to be a mom. And sometimes it's resentment towards your kids. And sometimes it's resentment towards the people at work that are keeping you away from your kids, right? But like, there's something, there's social pressures that like admitting, I'm experiencing resentment and I don't really like how I show up when I'm in that space is so hard. And so first step is, you know, like you said, just like owning what you're feeling and like getting to the roots of that hard when you're in these situations, because sometimes your situations do suck, right? And, you know, it's logical to think that it sucks, right? And to feel to feel anger or to be to feel trapped, even I think is a logical response to tough situations. But I think that you're also right that what we can control is our mindset, we can control our responses and how do you still say even in this tough situation I do have a locus of control Mm -hmm. and I need to own what that is Mm -hmm. so that I can at least move out of this difficult situation so if I'm thinking about experiential intelligence one of the first foundations of those three is your mindsets and our mindsets and our beliefs are built all out of childhood so all those foundations of what we believe and our mindsets that stuff comes in early and that stuff is informed by our family systems uh, faith-based communities we grow up in peers that we choose, the news that your parents watched growing up, you know, those are just things that influence what we end up believing. And if we don't challenge our belief systems, which we most of us don't in, in our teen years or our child, especially when we're kids, we're not like, mom, that's not true. Or I don't believe that, right? We're like, oh, okay, you said it and that's true. So now I'll believe it. And so if we don't challenge those mindsets moving into adulthood, they just become patterns of behavior that are very familiar that we slip into. The truth is, is when 
my journey into motherhood became difficult, my go-to response when things are hard is to, what are they? Those responses. <laughs> I now I get, I'm like, which I, I think, I, is it fight, flight, fawn? Yeah, fawn, which is just, to, I think literally fawning is, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to have to look it up, but I think it's just like complete ignoring, like disassociating, like, no, I don't, That that's not real. That's not happening. Right. We uh, default to those things. And so the truth is, is that when I was a, a new mom, when, when those things were getting difficult, I always leave hard situations. I am a fleer through and through. And I must have been doing that my entire childhood, my entire life. I just didn't know it. I didn't know it until I was in my 30s, early 40s. And I was faced with, wait a second, Courtney, this is how you handle conflict. And the way that you handle conflict is not productive for anyone. Nothing is getting resolved. And so it took me going to therapy. It took me really doing a lot of that internal work to answer your question of how do I stop those repeated thought patterns, those familiar behavior patterns. You truly have to catch yourself in the middle of it and realize that you're doing it. So yeah. And then you have to make that a habit too. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> and so it's like you have to make catching yourself to have it. And, and I do think you got Vaughn right. I think that fawning can all like, so you kind of ignore it, but then we oftentimes will also people please to the people that are doing, like if there's harm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, to avoid the conflict. It says the fawn response is when an individual tries to avoid or minimize distress by people pleasing and appeasing the threat. Yeah, you were right. We were both right. <laughs> You're both right. Yes, champions, we got this. I know that you've talked a lot. I love you being able to explain this through some of your own experiences. Can you think of other examples of maybe people that you've worked with or just people that you've witnessed that have really worked on developing the skill of experiential learning or experiential intelligence and how it's maybe positively impacted their own personal development? Yeah, I, you know, when I've taught this, so it's a relatively, I don't want to say it's like it's a new idea because really what we're talking about is our street smarts or again, our wisdom from our life experiences. But I just recently started teaching it. Oftentimes, as you witness, when I teach experiential intelligence, you know, I ask for group participation where people can tell me where they go back into what I call the happenings. So something monumental that happened in their life, good or bad. The belief system that was built out of that, what they believed about themselves, what they believed about the world, the way that that belief system may now show up at work. And sometimes that can be positively and sometimes that can be negatively. But the examples that show up in the settings when I'm speaking, and um, I think when uh, at the session you were in, I loved the young lady who had talked about being a single mother and having to put herself through school. And then when she was sharing with us, she's now up for promotion in the tech world, which is not a world that has, you know, a, a lot of female leaders in it. And so she was uh, finding herself in places of promotion. But when we kind of looked at her story, one of the things that gave her, this is what I always, I'm like, what gives you like your moxie, right? To even try that. Like, where did you get even the audacity to, to, to you know, move up in a world that otherwise females don't lead and, and men pretty much hold a lot of the CEO chairs. And, she, you know, we were able to walk that back to, well, being a single mom, you know, like, you, yeah, you learn, you learn that grittiness. And so for her to be able to connect her experience as a single mom and putting herself back to school, back into the successes that she's seeing at work, you know, those, th th there's a lot of those stories. I was really struck by that moment in the session that you were speaking at as well. And I think that one of the things that struck me by that is this way in which women 
women tend to shy away from the knowledge and the experience and the power that comes with those experiences and and feel like they can't fully own them. Because she was kind of talking about like, oh, well, I just don't have the degrees behind this. And you're like, but you've been doing it and you have all of this knowledge and experience. And like, how do you step into that and really own that as a legitimate way of knowing? And I think like that's what's so empowering about the work that you're doing is helping people recognize like you do have the knowledge, you do have the skills, you do have the ability because you've been having these experiences and they matter. They do matter. And women, you know, we just don't respect enough the the things that we do in and outside of the home and the way that those show up even in our careers. I mean, we manage multiple people (laughs) and families and we manage ourselves. We're we're excellent communicators. We're we're deep in empathy. I mean, those things are empathy is is so high. You got to have it on emotional intelligence. Empathetic leaders are becoming, you know, the leader that a lot of companies are are, um, looking for. Women have empathy. We have it naturally. We, We understand how to connect with other people because we've been connecting with our girlfriends and our friends and our children for years, you know, and even like with your story, you told me before when we were chatting, you know, you're a planner. Girl, I bet you've been planning since you were little. I bet you were the friend that put together, you know, the get togethers or had the agenda when when you were getting together. You know what I mean? Is it something that you just woke up and you're like, I'm going to be a great life coach and I know how to take time management really well and plan. That wasn't, you didn't learn that today. You've been doing that your whole life. And so now it is benefiting you. That's your experience that is benefiting you in your career. Even as a public speaker, I chose a profession that is second to a debt that people are afraid of. The like number one fears, dying, having to talk in front of people. You know, I chose that as a profession, but I didn't choose that as a profession because I'm terrified of it. I've been public speaking since mom had me. I had my stuffed animals lined up in my bedroom doing concerts. I mean, that's innately who I am. And so all of that experience, if I walk into a room and imposter syndrome kicks in and I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm not a published author. I've never done this. I don't have a TED talk, whatever. I've given a TED talk to all of my stuffed animals. Yeah, we downgrade all of those hours, all those hours where we were building our knowledge, building our abilities, building our know-how. We downgrade those because they don't seem, you know, flashy or fancy or they get the accolades that other accomplishments do. But those are the things that show up in our career that matter. Absolutely. We're doing the rep. Even if we haven't been identifying those things as the reps, they have been and they're they're preparing us. It's so funny. You're going to love this. But so when I was in college, I was on the speech team and, you know, I would go to parties and, you know, people would be doing college party stuff. And I would practice my speeches at parties, <laughs> you know, like other people are like saying like hooking up like whatever and like Danielle's there like giving a speech on the table and it's like nerdy nerdy you know college speech topics too and I think that there are just these ways that I would never go like oh that was me practicing for you know what's coming next in life for me but like I did but like also one of the things that I absolutely adored about you when I got to hear you speak is that you are so playful and joyful in like in life and in your approach to things. And so tell me a little bit, because one of the things that I think is so important is that moms understand that we can navigate all of these things and still have wicked amount of fun. And I know that you have wicked amount of fun with your family. Tell us a little bit about how you infuse play into your family practices. So our admittedly those years when I was trying to honestly reset my hormones and work through my depression. I do think joy and playfulness 
just took the back seat to like, you know, deep melancholy and just this constant crisis thinking. And I lost some of my playfulness. And that was very detrimental to my mental health because I am a playful kid. I was a dreamer. I think I told you that my mom found a piece of paper from my elementary school and I wrote down that I wanted to be a unicorn as a profession that I picked, you know, a, you know, a magical creature. I didn't even pick a real job, but that very much has always been my nature is to be playful. And I lost a lot of that. I lost my playfulness and my joy chasing them career satisfaction, which ended up not satisfying the way that I wanted, you know, getting married didn't satisfy the way that I wanted. And I know I'm happily married, but you know, like I wanted my marriage to satisfy me in ways that it was never going to because that was my work. And then my kids. And then finally, I, I realized that we needed that I needed to tap back into this dreamer, Courtney, that loves to dance and loves to create and loves to be silly. Oh my gosh, silly just to be silly. And so during COVID, when all the kids came home, I have three boys, uh, my children came home and like the rest of the world, we were just kind of getting lost on electronics because we didn't really know what to do with our time. And um, I grew up as a dancer and I just decided I was going to teach my kids how to hear music, hear an eight count. And we did. I, I put, I got my boys up. They hated it. They didn't want to, but I just wanted them to move their body. And we just started dancing together. Now, one side of it is I, you know, I created these videos. It's right when Instagram had released their version of TikTok. We put it on Instagram. It blew up. And so my children have a large following on Instagram. So that is one thing that's cool. But what is more important is we tapped into family togetherness. Because the truth is, is like we're laughing. It feels vulnerable to try something new, to learn something new, to record yourself doing something. These lessons taught my boys, listen, we're just doing this A, to move our body, two, to connect, three, because it's fun. And that's why. It's not because we want to become famous or whatever. It's because this is the way that our family is connecting. Now, the it's cool that the account grew out of it, but the account grew out of our joyfulness and our playfulness. We have kept that spirit alive. I mean, my boys are, I have three boys and they're goofballs. That's how it started and that's how we keep it going. Well, I mean, sometimes it feels like being playful, being silly takes energy, but it also gives us energy. And I think that a lot of times when we are in, you know, that melancholy space or we are on the struggle bus or whatever, that what we need to do is give ourselves permission to just like lean into joy for a moment. And that joy doesn't always have to take tons of work. I'm always like with our family, it might be something like, oh gosh, I haven't done the dishes. So I guess we're eating with toothpicks tonight. And <laughs> you know, like, so then now we yeah. have to. I laugh. Yeah. yeah. Really and, and so like, it doesn't always have to be this thing that you put a lot of effort in. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just like, how do I find an opportunity to make something fun in the circumstances that we have in front of us? And I think that your family does that so well. And, and then it, it is cool that you get to share that and people can bear witness to the joy that you all bring to the table. So I really, really appreciate that. And we, I, I was going to say, throw in game night. We regularly schedule game nights. So that's just something that is a value for our family. So that it's really that connectedness. And I love that you said not putting pressure on the joy. That's the other thing, man. It's like, this has to be fun. Like we're going to the pumpkin patch and everybody better be in a good mood. 
food and we're going to get our fall photos. And then it's just like, let it organically. Don't do, I mean, go to the pumpkin patch. That's fine. But don't have any expectations for the pumpkin patch. Just go. That's when I think we can allow these really organic, natural, joyful moments to happen because we're not trying to, you know, choke them out with a schedule or an expectation. So I love that you mentioned that. Yes. Just show up and be together. And it's amazing what that will do. So I, I've really appreciated this conversation. I feel like when I re-listen to this and as I edit, I'll be excited to reprocess <laughs> some of the things that we've chatted about. If my listeners wanted to connect with you, if they if they were like, hey, Courtney would be an awesome speaker. How do we get a hold of her? How can they do that? Yeah, you can catch me. Website is CourtneyMeisner.com. There's a booking right on the website. Online Instagram is The Meisner Crew. And I'm sure you can see how to spell my last name, but The Meisner Crew. You can watch us dance. Yeah, that's how you find me. So much joy. I'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. If this podcast has inspired you, guided you, or just made you laugh, the number one way that you can thank me is by leaving a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I'm seriously tickled every time that I hear from you all. So pop onto Instagram and follow Plan Go Plan and digital message me. I want to say hello. I want to geek out about all things planning and goal setting. Keep sensing the possibilities, y'all.